now listening to The Nasty Table, the premier source for tabletop role-playing actual play. Now come on in, relax, and pull up a seat to The Nasty Table. Hello, my name is Joe. You're about to meet me and the rest of my table mates, but before we get into that, there's a few things that I wanted to address. Firstly, uh, I wanted to thank you for listening, choosing to start this podcast because it is a good one. We have a lot of people at the table that are very passionate about the game, myself included. But before we get into introductions and beginning the campaign, I wanted everyone listening to this to understand that the subject and the content matter of this campaign itself is pretty heavy. There's references to sexual violence, violence against children, homicide, all, all that kind of stuff. The players at the table are playing in the violent crimes unit, so there is a lot of heavy cases and a lot of heavy material that might not be suitable for everybody. If that's not your bag, feel free to skip this campaign and pick up when we start playing a different game. We're going to be playing Dungeons and Dragons and maybe some Pathfinder, Call of Cthulhu, stuff like that. So I just wanted to make it clear that there should be a little bit of discretion in our listening audience. If this is something that you're not comfortable with, this kind of content matter, then feel free to skip it. The other thing that I wanted to address is the audio quality. As our episodes progress, our audio quality gets better, slowly but surely. The first two episodes are a little bit rough. The third, fourth, fifth, and so on episodes get better and better and better. We're constantly learning. We're new to this hobby, podcasting, microphone equipment, audio engineering, all that kind of stuff. Anyone who has experience with that can tell you that starting off is a little bit rough, so just want a little bit of patience in the audio quality and, and understanding that we're still learning and we're still getting better. With all that stuff out of the way, I hope you enjoy, and I'll stop going on and on because I do talk a lot in this first episode, so please enjoy episode one of The Nasty Table, LFVCU. This season at The Nasty Table, four honest policemen. Uh, Sergeant Roy McNeil. Caleb O'Connor. Detective Jerry Flores. Ray Hoyt. Delve into a case with simple beginnings. I feel it's pretty dead end right now. Seems like this was just a uh, bar fight going wrong. But slowly unravels something sinister. The top half of a small torso. What's in the box? Nothing. Get out of here. Really. Blood covering almost the entirety of this office. A case that will kill them. Your back hits the wall. You don't think that there's other kids out there right now? Trapped? And you feel your throat? start to tighten. That need us? What do we have? We have nothing. Push him up against the wall. I'm like, what's wrong with you? He only meant that your gun wasn't going to do anything against what we saw. Or set them free. I need to play the French toast and nice cup of joke. <laughs> Thank you, man. I house chicken now. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's sick. You're so... <laughs> I'm so happy. <laughs> All right. Gotta go. <laughs> the Nasty Table presents LFVC. <laughs> What's up, it motherfucker? So Welcome to my table, bitch! So, welcome to the first episode of The Nasty Table. The sultry voice that you just heard was KP3. He's a good friend of mine. Go look him up on Spotify and Apple Music. And actually, that uh, wonderful little ditty, that song that you just heard, was none other than our table mate, Alex. So hopefully you enjoyed both um, that voice and that song. We're going to be playing Delta Green. Eventually some Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, or some other games. But Delta Green for the foreseeable future. My name is Joe. I have been running tabletop games for about nine years. Uh, mostly D&D during that time. But I've been running Delta Green for three years. Uh, for those newer to tabletop, or maybe you just haven't heard of it, Delta Green is a role-playing game. It is made and published by Arc Dream Publishing. It started originally, I think, as a setting for Call of Cthulhu, and eventually it became its own system. Uh, it's sort of like a mashup between Call of Cthulhu and Gumshoe. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's more role-playing character-focused than D&D. Um, anyone who does know about Delta Green who's listening to this will notice that I am... Uh, purposefully ignoring rules that I don't like. I prune a lot of these rules out. Um, most notably adapting to sanity loss, projecting sanity loss onto bonds, and uh, for this campaign uh, we're not really going to be focusing on bonds too, too much. Just uh, not as a mechanic. Delta Green historically revolves around cosmic horror uh, and things man was not supposed to know. 
Uh, so sanity is going to be a big role in that. Uh, this scenario that we're playing through over the next couple of weeks is uh, completely homebrewed. Uh, the setting is entirely made up. Along with myself, we have four fantastic players who are here to play. So if you guys would like to go <laughs> and introduce yourselves, your name, who you are, uh, something about, you know, tabletop games or whatever. I could start at my right with this um, disgusting man. <laughs> My name is Nick. I have been a player in pretty much 75-80% of Joe's games. Um, just excited to be here with a great crew and get into it. I'm Mike. I've been... All of my campaigns and one-shots have been DM'd by Joe. And I think I started playing four years ago, 2019 probably. Yeah, I'm excited to get this going. I'm uh, Alex... I am a uh, longtime player and lover of uh, tabletop games, DM, and a player. Hello there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Chup. Uh, I am a longtime player of D and D mainly. I've played with people at the table. Been I've played under Joe as a DM before, under Alex as a DM before. Just ready for another great campaign. So Adam, yes, a first timer. Out of everybody at this table, you're the only one who hasn't played Delta. Delta it's it's very true. Are you looking forward to it? Um, I'm very much looking forward to it. Have you played it. any other tabletop systems other than D and D? Um, me and, and my buddy Jared, Jared Albino, mm-hmm. um, he plays a lot of, and I, I go and play with his family a lot. Uh, it's like big scale tabletop games that like are much Warhammer. And dude, stuff. I always well see not his, Warhammer, but just like Snapchat. they play like uh, classic so board sick. games, renditions of like old time fights mm-hmm. Napoleonic Wars English Civil Wars right. Revolution it's really sick uh, his like his uncle and one of his buddies have crazy collection of figurines all metal hand painted just That's bins awesome. and bins of it but, so I got a lot of like combat game experience gotcha well Delta Green is probably the opposite of that right uh, I'm sure people have told you at least going into this or talking to people who have played Delta Green especially at my table that uh, combat is rare and it is deadly. I wouldn't call it rare, but <laughs> I would definitely deadly. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think combat only comes up like maybe once or twice in a campaign. Delta Green, yeah. So this campaign is going to be set on the beginning date is January first, nineteen seventy-one. This is set in the fictional town of Linwood Falls in southeast Minnesota. Linwood Falls was a setting created by me, which is based off of the real city of Rochester, Minnesota. So I think that's about it. You guys ready to play some some, some games? Play some fucking tabletop? Yeah. Let's go. Let's do it. Yes, sir. Okay. Enough of this intro <clears throat> stuff. Let's get into it. So the year is 1971. New Year's Eve has came and passed, bringing you into this glorious year. 1970 is gone. Like I said, this is taking place in the fictional town of Linwood Falls in Minnesota. Four police officers, three detectives, and one sergeant will embark on a story-driven quest ran by me. First, I want to do is since, I mean, even me and uh, definitely the three other players don't know much about your characters, so what I wanted to do and uh, what we talked about last week was basically setting setting the scene for your character, you know, painting this picture of who your character is uh, in a singular scene. So does anyone want to go first for this this introductionary scene? I volunteer as tribute. Cool. Go ahead. <clears throat> My just a introduction of, of the character and then go into the scene? Yeah, I mean, you can you can give away as much as you want about the character, at least what, what they look like. All right. My character is, uh, well, his name's Roy, uh, Roy McNeil. Um, he is, he's a sergeant, you know, in the police force. Um, the person that I casted him as, if I can say this, Go ahead. is a, um, a young Robert De Niro. Young Robert De Niro. I have some nice pictures of him, that, and he looks totally, I was like, dude, how's this Robert De Niro right now? I was like, whatever. But I was like... Uh, him in the 80s about, you know, uh, he, he's about in his 40s at the time, Robert De Niro, and, um, so is Roy, 
my character um 50s um anyway he lives uh and you guys would know this uh the players would he lives right outside of linwood falls um in douglas minnesota which is uh between linwood falls and um minneapolis so nice little sweet spot he's got a nice ranch very small farm um with a couple animals um his horse that he loves dearly caper and um his niece april um but uh, a, a general description of what a young robert de niro looks like is um and also roy is uh he's just got um some longer uh darker hair he's about like 510 he's got a nice uh nice beard going nice stash and beard combo long beard short beard it's like a it's like not Joe sure. or no. It's like, like over or like like <laughs> medium length. It, Me- right? It's it's scruffy, but right, medium. Right. Yeah, it's got some scruff to it. Um, couple grays growing. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, he lives on this ranch with uh, April. But the uh, a tip. So 5 p.m. before we all clock in at seven, right? Roy is just finishing watching uh, and making fun of the new the new hit show Hawaii Five O, um, with April. Yeah, they're, they're sitting on the couch um, in, in the ranch and uh, just making fun of some Hawaii Five-0 for, ma- for making it a little overly dramatic uh, because the show's based off of, like, police force and that kind of work. And uh, th- they like just cracking jokes about it. Um, he steps outside. He's got a pretty, pretty nice uh, small-sized farm. Goes over to his boy Caper. Gives Caper some brushes, some whistles. Takes care of the farm just a little bit. Just wrap some things up before he heads over and starts his shift. Cool. Yeah. The weather is, you know, nice on a day like this. It's not snowing? No, not okay. snowing. There Sweet. might be some, you know, scattered snow on the ground. It's but gotta be cold, bro. Freezing. It's gotta be cold, yeah. Freezing. And so, like you mentioned, you are technically their superior. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a sergeant. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, the only two people in violent crimes uh, that outrank you are... Um, the sole lieutenant uh, who works in violent crimes and the uh, and the captain who works in violent crimes. The captain you don't see so much because he's mostly there for the day shift, mm-hmm. uh, but the lieutenant you interact with uh, pretty regularly. Cool. I'll go second. Go ahead. Uh, right, my character's name is Jerry Flores. Uh, he's originally from San Antonio, Texas. He lived in a small town. Great childhood, great education. Um... He looks, he's like maybe 5'10". He's not a particularly big guy. He is young, early 30s. He's really good looking. He's got like dark, curly, slick back hair. And he usually wears like a trench coat with dress clothes underneath. At 5 p.m., he's pretty much at home being comforted by his wife. He's taking a bath and gets out. You know, starts getting sharpened up for his job, and he uh, he gets a package at the door, which he takes out. So, from his family back in San Antonio, Texas, so he knows immediately uh, where it's coming from, and he opens it up, and it's a gold switchblade stiletto type knife, um, with a symbol carved into it, and that's pretty much it. Just sticks it into his pocket, and gets ready for work. Nice. Wow. Okay, you got it. All right. Uh, my character is Caleb O'Connor. He's your classic-looking Irish cop. He's got that red mustache, and that's it. Just the mustache. Thick mustache. Real potato-fed guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Decent-sized build. He uh, is usually wearing his uh, the normal pants, tan shirt, suspenders over top. And uh, he came originally from Ann Arbor, Michigan. And he was a detective there, and then moved to Linwood Falls, uh, closer to his wife's family, and got a job in homicide. That was my first voice crack. Better get him out of the way now. (laughs) Right. And typically, at 5 p.m., before a 7 p.m. shift, he'd wake up. First thing he's going to do is have a cigarette out back. Even even though it's in the cold, he, uh, he would come inside. Meal's already on the table for dinner before he goes out. Uh, he sits there with his mom, who moved in with him last year, because his dad died, and his wife. And uh, they might be bickering at the table, but 
he's not too focused on that as he's watching the news with everything that's going on with all these serial killers and these hippies. It doesn't make much sense to him. <laughs> Fucking hippies, <Damn> man. <laughs> doesn't make much sense. <laughs> these kids, this senseless crime, they can't get it out of his head. These kids. Grabs his gun. And he heads out. Shoots his wife. <laughs> Caleb? Precisely. Nice to meet you, Jerry. Nice to meet you, Jerry. Um, <laughs> definitely met before. <laughs> yeah, I mean... For years. Brian. So, like I said, I mean... This is, uh, this is just us. Before we know? get into uh, into Chup's introduction to, uh, to to run this through real quick. I mean, you guys have been working together for, for a decent amount of time. The, uh, the night shift in the violent crimes unit is actually just you four. And the... Uh, uh, the lieutenant who is on duty at the time. Chop if you would. <laughs> I think I would. I would love to. Don't mind if I do. I think I will. Alright, so my character's name is Raymond James Hoyt. Um, he's 37, and I casted him as Matt Damon from the movie Stillwater. 2021. Alright, alright. Oh. So he's your... He's your grade-A southern boy. Yeah. Working class, you know, morals all in the right spots. Grain fed. <laughs> yeah. We got potato fed and grain fed. Mm-hmm. 100%. He is relatively new to Limwood Falls. Uh, about two years he's been here. Uh, he lives in a pretty rinky-dink trailer on the outskirts of town. Neighbors not real close to him. Uh, I mean, he's by no means a, a sketchy guy talking to him at all, but he likes to keep to himself uh, in his pr in his private life off hours. And um, so, in the opening scene, and we're gonna we're gonna do a little bit of a time blip in fantasy. Go ahead. It's 1971, but we're gonna act like 1972's The Godfather <laughs> came just a little bit early. Okay, just a little bit. All right, early. all right, I'll allow it. I'll allow it <laughs> in this alternate reality. And. Uh, <laughs> He is uh, on his nth cup of coffee of the day. He's in his robe. He's just waiting for his shift. Uh, and the Godfather's on the TV. And he sits down, and it's the uh, the, the baptism scene. Mm -hmm. right? oh. And, uh, you know, and the priest is saying everything, and, and all the other heads of the families are walking around. You know, they all get whacked as he's getting baptized. Uh and Ray is sitting there watching it, and he's he's just so wired up. And he, as soon as Michael gets baptized, and, and you know he confirms it, he just quickly grabs his pistol on, on the uh, table next to the recliner, just puts one shot in his shitty little TV. <laughs> Sparks right. flying and puts out it all down. Over. And his dog gets a little startled. He's got a German Shepherd, Sarge. Sarge. And, uh, Sarge. He goes over to Sarge. He pets it. Pets him. Goes out on his deck, chugs another cup of coffee, rips a cig, goes into the bathroom, gets ready for work, and early for his shift, rolls out in his patrol car. Writes on the uh, on the refrigerator, buy new TV. <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't mention who I casted my character as. It's Oscar oh, yeah. Isaac. Something a little like that. Oh, oh that's beautiful. nice. Oh, that's good. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So like a little it. bit of what he's looking like. Okay. He's got that clean, like, stubble. You know what I mean? And, like, the gel curly. Yeah, I care. So Here, here's a, here's Robert De Niro. Here's what he looks like. Oh, you're looking too. Oh, I guess he looked just... he looked fucking good in the '80s, man. Dude, I know he's a gorgeous man. You know, oh, he looks a little, little he looks a little dirty in that first picture, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, some good looking. Looks dirt. punished in it. So we have detectives Flores, O'Connor, Hoyt, and McNeil. Well, Sergeant McNeil. Um, you are partnered up. Uh, Ray and Jerry are partners, and uh, Caleb and Roy are partners. I'm going to try my best to remember these character names. But if <laughs> you I, should if write it, them down. I, oh, they are written down okay. in like eight spots on my fucking <laughs> I damn screen. I want to write them on, down too. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> and especially in Delta Green, I mean, I'm sure you guys know. You, you keeping notes is going to be super important, especially because you are detectives. Um, and even though you can go back to these sessions and listen through, I mean, I would imagine that you would want to keep some notes. <laughs> <laughs> I remember your first name, bro. What was your last name? So Connor. 
Is there like a violent crimes unit during Yo, the day? Roy. Yes. Roy so there's McNeil. actually three shifts. We got a Ray and a Roy, and they're not partners. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> what was the last name? McNeil. There are uh, three shifts for violent crimes. There's the night shift, the day shift, and then there's a relief shift because you guys are set up on the, um, I believe it's called the Pittman scheduling. Where I got you. Oh, you got yeah, yeah, I got you. I remember yours. <laughs> Essentially, you guys are going to be working 12-hour shifts, but it's going to be two 12-hour shifts, two 12-hour shifts, and then two days off, and then three 12-hour shifts, and then three days off. Okay. Yo, can um, I get that schedule? Wait, what's your phone name again? Raymond James Hoyt. Isn't that the name of the Buck Stadium? <clears throat> is, is it Raymond James Stadium? No, is it? Is, is it <laughs> it's not Hoyt. It's not Hoyt. <laughs> Come on, how do you spell Hoyt? Hoyt, 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 hoyt. H O Y T. I'm just waiting for that for that time that someone comes with a character at the table and then someone's like, oh, the, like the child murderer? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean like the porn star? <laughs> so everyone goes through their morning routines or afternoon, nightly routines, getting ready for uh, the night shift. Night shift starts at 7 p.m. and it's going to run until 7 a.m. Um, you guys are accustomed to the night shift, but actually, um, Roy, you originally came from the day shift. Uh, oh, okay. The opening was for a sergeant on the night shift. So, uh, yeah, you, you originally worked on the day shift mm -hmm. uh, before you rose to sergeant there. The violent crimes unit is positioned essentially in a subsection uh, of the Linwood Falls Police Department. So basically, you walk in that front building uh, and you're greeted by a random on-duty patrol officer who's behind the reception counter. Uh, you go through a set of double doors into this main room. Uh, it's filled with desks that are set up like cubicles. And right when you enter this room, there's a short set of steps off to the, uh, to the left that leads down to the violent crimes unit. Each of you experience this at separate times as you enter for your days of work or night of work. Uh, the room is dimly lit. There's a few scattered light bulbs that hardly illuminate about a dozen spread out desks. Uh, cigarette smoke hangs in the air, uh, slowly but surely being ventilated out by a singular, decrepit, but determined ceiling fan. Coffee machine humming quietly on a small counter. Uh, there's filing cabinets that line the walls and a lone, seldom used personal computer that's stowed away in a corner. Uh, most of the desks are orderly, save for a few that have papers and reports kind of scattered all about them. Uh, to the back, there's two doors that lead to private offices. Uh, one for the violent crimes unit captain. Uh, his name is Colby Galloway. Like I said, the night shift rarely sees him. Uh, the person that you report to uh, above Roy uh, is the lieutenant of the violent crimes unit. His name is Glenn Longo. Each of you has a designated desk, and with a rush to wrap up cases to boost end of year percentages, none of you have anything particularly important on your desks. You have no open assignments that are outstanding, uh, other than writing or verifying previous reports or other, you know, bureaucratic paper pushing. Uh, knowing the city, However, as long as you guys have been here, uh, it's not going to be too long before you get some sort of call to go out into the night. There are a few stragglers from the day shift that are leaving. I think the order in you guys arriving would be Ray first, probably maybe like 30 minutes before the shift starts. And then I would imagine Roy, since you're the sergeant and you're trying to be on time. So... Sergeant McNeil walks in and sees uh, Detective Hoyt sitting at his desk. And you also see some of the day shift stragglers kind of making their way out. Um, one of them you recognize as your previous partner, Mark Cannon. He kind of gives you a nod and stops like he's about to say something. Mark, how you doing, man? Good, Roy. Good. How was, uh, how was your New Year's? It's pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Can't complain. Had a good time. Yeah. Um, next time I have a uh, party with uh, some of my coworkers, I'll make sure to invite you, since now I'm on the night shift. I'm very aware that you're on the night shift. Mm. How's April? She's good. Still adjusting to the uh, transition with. She's kind of having to 
send herself to school. She's uh, putting herself to sleep, but she's taking it well. That's good. That's yeah. Good. All right, man. I am. I am beat. I will see you around. All right. And he makes his way past you. <clears throat> Eventually, Caleb and Jerry, you guys uh, make your way down into the the violent crimes unit. Kind of popped into my head, but what do your guys' desks look like? Mine's like <clears throat> extremely organized. Mm-hmm. Like perfect. Really? Yeah. Mine's not disorganized, but there's a lot of paper on it and files. Not everything's strewn about, but there's there's a lot of stuff. Maybe he can get rid of some of it. Mine's a bit cluttered, keeping busier with this new role, so he's trying to get to his organized space, but he's not there yet. Uh, Ray's desk is like one-third clear, so we can write something down, something he needs to, and two-thirds just an absolute shit show. That's what my desk looks like. It's like that, dude, that's literally what my fucking desk looks like. So yeah, you guys make your way in. You can see that the uh, Lieutenant Longo is in his office uh, writing some reports or whatever. Um, You guys say anything to each other as you guys kind of make your way down there? Pot of coffee is uh, just finished brewing. I'd imagine I'm just like literally just standing there waiting for coffee like super impatiently (laughs) like I really want to go to my desk but I really want my coffee um Lieutenant Longo yes okay has has he been on the night shift for a while yeah so he's been on the night shift longer than you have Mm -hmm. um actually he was probably in there when the three rest of you you know made your way uh into violent crimes um he's older probably about your age though mm-hmm. um easy going not super stressed out but like when it's crunch time like mm-hmm. like especially like you experienced last the end of last year like three days ago um when it comes down to the top sending word down that like we need to get these case completion percentages up like mm-hmm. he, he, he is pressing on that he definitely takes um the word of his superiors as as law Gotcha. Um, but yeah, he, I mean, he's easy going. He's not a not a not a rough guy. I haven't okay. ca- I haven't cast him yet, but I will. Can I call him Glenn? No. Right. You, you, I mean, you, I mean, you can call him Lieutenant. Okay. LT. 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 How you doing? Yo, LT. <laughs> yes, but not on a first name basis, and that's kind of ingrained into the uh, just like how you operate in a police station, and like how you went to training. Yeah. And stuff like that. Like that's just ingrained in the culture of mm-hmm. the police department is is to use those, uh, yeah, um, to use those respectful yeah. titles. Hey, lieutenant. <laughs> <laughs> Good evening. The, How, how's it going? The, uh, the the door is closed. Hey, lieutenant. Kind of you hear some shuffling and the door opens and you can see him, sergeant. How long have you been here for? Uh, probably about two hours. Uh, just kind of moseyed in, relieved uh, Captain Galloway when he came in. Gotcha. Okay. Everyone's pretty uh, pretty happy with how we got uh, done at the end of the year, so I'm happy that you're keeping an orderly ship around here. Appreciate it. Appreciate it very much. Well, I'll uh, let you know if there's anything uh, going on, but for the most part, I expect it to be a pretty quiet <clears throat> night. All the stuff that would need our attention was pretty much last night I would assume but who knows what this town got it alright well I'll uh I'll let the guys know and you know well you know where we're at so he nods so you step away like about to close the door and he closes the door reaches okay. his arm out closes it there's a uh the, the shuttering of the door closing for the most part, you guys kind of sit around, and I imagine there are some duties that you have to undertake, you know, just writing reports and, and verifying certain reports. And time does pass. 7 o'clock rolls around. 8 o'clock passes. Another pot of coffee gets brewed. Uh, until around 10 o'clock, uh, the lieutenant comes out from his office and uh, steps up to... Hmm. Let's roll. Let's see who he steps up to. 
Detective O'Connor. If you would, please, uh, can you and Roy head out? We got a uh, 1072. Um, they found a body out in uh, Statterly Park. Got a call from a game warden. Police officer arrived on the scene and he uh, requested the help of detectives. Jerry, like, shoots up. What What'd you say? There was a, uh, a body found out in the park. Well, of course, Sergeant. We'll be right on it. Do they need any more? No, we should be fine. Just, you know, two. Don't... You'll get your, uh... You'll get your business. Wouldn't worry about it. Copy that. You ready? Yes, I'm ready to go. Let's do it. Guys, get up and, you know, take your guns out of your desk and... Yeah. Make your way out. What Um, kind of guns do we have? Probably like 38s, like snub nose revolvers. Okay. Stuff like that. Cool. Um, I would also ask, uh, how long do you guys think that you two have been partners, Roy and Caleb? Two years? I'd say about, yeah, two years. Yeah. Well, that's when when you came to um, the night, night shift, shift of violent crimes as a sergeant. Um, about one year, maybe. A year? Yeah. But almost a year. What's the... Uh, What's like the uh, the vibe? What's the uh, what's the camaraderie like? I think it's all right. Yeah, I like it. I'm comfortable with you. Yeah, I don't yeah. think my character's so much of a big personality friendly guy, but the yeah. work associates. Yeah, I think uh, Roy likes his professional relationships too. So it's yeah, cool. You guys head out. Yeah, take you. a bag out of my car. Take a, okay. Yeah, cool. Bring it to the passenger seat. Sweet. All right, I'm Sweet. driving. Or are you uh-huh. driving? Or am I driving? No, uh, you're probably driving. It's a sergeant. All right. Yeah. This is for you. And it's a Christmas gift bag. And has April on it. It's from Amelia. How old's your niece? Uh, she is 15. She's 15? 15. It's a little bag. It's a nice bottle of perfume. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks very much. Yeah. It's not for me. Oh, okay. Gotcha. It's not from you? Oh. Ah, my wife got it. Gets it's from the both of us. Oh, okay. Well, thank you, and thanks to your wife, too. Start the car up, and I... Uh... Let's, let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> 1072, yeah. Dead body. Dead on arrival. And actually, that is... Uh, the location that they mentioned was, is on that uh, on that map that I handed out. Uh, You're going to have to say into the mic the exact left and right turn you make. It's at the southeast part of the city. <laughs> southeast. What's the name of the place again? Sorry. Uh, Statterly Park. Statterly Park. I hope you guys are keeping notes. No. And shortly after you two are dispatched and make your way on the road, the lieutenant in uh, the office steps out and says, You guys uh, you guys able to, to run something for me? What do you need? Got a homicide downtown. Uh, there's a bar down there, uh, Cavalry Club. Officer didn't say much, said young man killed in a bar fight. Need two detectives down there. And on I it. have two detectives. Right, let's go. We're on it. So you're like jumpy, you get yeah. right out of your... Thank you very much. Thank you. Can I get a time check? Like what time you sent us out? You guys got sent out around 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock, okay. And then you guys probably got sent out like 10-10. Uh, yeah. So O'Connor and McNeil, you guys are making your way driving through. The town is, you know, it, I keep saying town. It's a city. Uh, the city of Linwood Falls. It's lively. There's people walking around. You know, even ten o'clock at night, making your way through the streets. Uh, eventually, you come up to Statterly Park, which is a. It's a pretty large park, but there's a police car that's already there and an officer standing outside of it uh, and you recognize the officer he's one of the uh, the night shift patrol officers his name is uh, officer Gaines officer Gaines okay walk up to him mm-hmm. uh, well get out of the car and I'm like you ready let's go all right let's do it shut it mm-hmm. lock it um, walk over to uh, officer Gaines mm-hmm. he's a yeah. black guy medium build shaved head and he, uh, he sees you approaching and gives you a nod. Okay. Sergeant. Officer, uh, is this your report? 
Yes, yes. Okay, what am I looking at here? So, got the call. There's this game warden out here. Uh, name is John, John Rivera. Says he was doing a nightly sweep of the park, found a body in the creek. Uh, I helped him fish it out, and uh, yeah, it's um, it's, it's pretty, pretty, pretty messed up. Um, I don't, I don't, and he kind of looks visibly upset. I don't want to move it. Uh, it's essentially just the top half of a torso. No head, uh, one arm, no hand on that arm. Uh, you, we, I set up uh, a tarp and we laid it on it. It's uh, okay. a bit of the way into the park, so I just wanted to meet you out here so I could walk in. Uh, the game warden's with the body now. Perfect. Appreciate it very much. Um, so, where's this game warden at? He's, he's with the body? Yeah. Okay. How about we go check it out? You just want to stick around here, son, and make sure nobody comes in this area of the park. Sure, yeah, I can I can put some tape up. Appreciate it. And he uh, makes his way to the back seat of his car, and you see him, you know, getting some stuff out. You guys walking up that trail. Yeah. And you can see uh, in the distance, uh, like, fl- like the flooding of light kind of coming out. Um, and, you know, you follow that up that trail. And it's um, probably about... 150 yards until there's like a side trail and then you take that up and you can eventually see a clearing you hear the running of water uh, from the creek that's back here and it's it's dark out it's winter time so it's really dark no moon in the sky so the only light is this construction light that's kind of been set up to uh you know it's one of those big fat battery operated big ones uh flooding light out on this this scene that you see is basically this blue tarp with this corpse on it carcass right because you say corpse you think you know a full body carcass it's mangled it's horrible to look at um just as this scene comes into view if you two would please roll sanity for me Ninety-four. 69 on a... On a 60. 69 on a 60, 94 on a... 60. 60. You both are going to lose one point of sanity. Um, Start off strong. (laughs) You see the game warden there. Um, He's wearing, you know, that classic park ranger type outfit. Um, He's got his hands on his hips with his back turned to the corpse. Um, And basically what you see as you're approaching is it is essentially the top half of a small torso uh there's an arm connected to it the left arm connected to it um no hand on this arm that's connected to it the other cut is made like low on the neck um it's this sickly greenish gray colored devoid of blood there's just like ooze kind of coming out of these orifices that are that are open it's swollen um and the park ranger or the uh, game warden turns around and looks at you guys Hello. Um, this warden's name is John. That's what uh, Officer Gaines told you, yes. Okay. You John? Yes. No one else is around? Mm-mm. Okay. Pleasure to meet you. I'm uh, Roy McNeil. Uh, Sergeant Roy McNeil is my partner here. Uh, Detective O'Connor. Um, pleasure to meet you. Shake his hand. Yeah, he puts his hand out to shake it. It is clam. It is clam city, United States of America. Okay. Freezing cold, but drenched in sweat. <clears throat> All right, I wipe my hand on my pant leg after that. And then I, uh, I'm i like, well, uh, look, how you feeling? Would you would you mind sticking around for some questions or? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, And he, like, can't take his eyes off the body once he like turned back around because his back was to it and now he's turned around and his eyes are just locked on the body down on the ground mm. yeah i i uh yeah I, I yeah what uh what do you what do you need to know um well first off i think we'd like to know about when you found this did you find this as soon as it was reported yeah i mean probably about 
45 minutes ago, I would say. Maybe a little bit more. I was just walking this trail. Uh, and you can see he's got a flashlight in his hand. It's off right now. Mm. Um, you know, just doing my rounds, seeing if there's anybody out here who wasn't supposed to be. And, you know, this little thing caught my eye, just stuck on this log out in the water. And the closer I got to it, I, you know, realized almost immediately what it was. Um, called the police immediately. Um, the other guy came out here and helped me get it out. Um, but it was, uh, and he kind of starts to trail off. It was loose. The, the, the body was loose, like falling apart. I think there was a chunk of it that came off and floated down the creek. Um, we didn't want to move it. So he said to put it here and wait for somebody from homicide to come. Do I have like a, do I have like a blanket, maybe a canteen in the car? Yeah. If I go grab, yeah. grab them for this guy. Sure. Like a thermos? Yeah, like a thermos. Mm-hmm. Thermos of water. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Sure. Probably, yeah, one of those blankets. All right, yeah, you make your way mm-hmm. back out. And and it is like a like a nine, eight-minute walk, so you're going to be a little bit. Um, am I aware, uh, I, Roy <clears throat> likes to study criminology. Mm-hmm. Am I aware of any, anything like this or like any, any, has he encountered any bodies dumped in the river before or bodies that have been mangled like this before oh yeah yeah for sure i mean this is uh and you would know that this creek is an offshoot of a river and mm-hmm. that's like like white water sweet like okay. this thing was probably thrashed against the rocks if it wasn't already cut up or anything like that but yeah i mean um okay <coughs> well i once once you return uh Detective O'Connor. Yeah. Uh, question real quick. Would it be... Would this creek ever, in the middle of the winter, ever freeze over? Moving water tends to not. Okay. I didn't know if it was... What's What diameter creek are we talking? Um, you could probably jump up, up around... Up, you can probably jump over it if you got a uh, running start. So it's not deep either? No. Okay, so... Was diameter the right word? Um, diameter is for, like, circles and spheres. With, with thank you. With. <laughs> um, What's the, talk to me about the girth of this creek. <laughs> thank you. Um, it's not so girthy. Not so girthy. But, uh, I, I turn to, I turn to you, Creek's uh, a grower, Caleb. he's not a shower. Pause. <laughs> and I, I say, okay, this is pretty shallow water. This could have came all the way from Silver Lake, which is pretty, pretty far north in this town. Um, Okay, so how fresh does this body look like? You can, uh, what do you want to roll for it? You want to roll forensics, uh, um, medicine, what do you got? I mean, do you have anything here? <laughs> forensics I could roll for. You want to roll forensics? Yeah, I'm going to roll forensics for it. Actually, while I got you here, everyone looking at their character sheet. Um, down at the bottom right, if we could please put, if you guys don't already have luck down there, Ooh. add a brand new skill called luck and make that score 50. Now, the way that we do it at my table is sometimes I may ask for a luck roll. Uh, basically, just happenstance, chance, something like that, and you roll against that 50. However, if you fail the luck roll, you can choose to re-roll it and take the new result for a permanent 1d6 loss of luck. And you can do that as many times as you want. If you keep failing and keep failing, but your luck will, you know, slowly go down. But yeah, go ahead, roll forensics for me. Yeah, on this forensic check, I think I definitely want to see how long I think the body's been there. And can I also check, I know that it's a mangled corpse and it's kind of gross to think about, but... Could I try to check if it's male or female, maybe? Yeah, go ahead, roll. Oh. That's a critical failure. Critical <laughs> failure. 88 on 50. Yeah, I mean, it's not your fault. This corpse is in rough shape. You would probably guess that, well, first of all, moving this to a coroner would be a feat of engineering. Bodies that have been in water, and you would know this as a police officer and detective bodies that have been in water for a long period of time they are volatile they can just fucking explode and pop and slosh off and it's nasty nasty business um but yeah it's tough to tell just 
because of the decomposition of this body, it's tough to tell not only uh, what, uh, how long ago it was done, how long ago the uh, the deceased deceased, uh, but also its age is pretty hard to tell. But it's pretty easy to determine that this is a male. Um, DNA doesn't really do the trick these t- these days, right? DNA is non-existent. Okay. Your best bet would have been a fingerprint if there was a hand. Uh, there is not. And even if there was a hand, just on the swelling that you can see on the corpse, it is. it would have probably not helped. Mm-hmm. I turn my attention to the park ranger. Mm-hmm. So you happen to do these checks almost nightly? Yeah, typically. Either me or a different person. Well, I didn't get much off this body, but just from a from a quick glance, it seems like it's been out here for a while. Anything in the last week, couple days, anybody shady around here? Shouldn't be around here. No, it's been been mostly quiet. We expected, you know, a couple kids or something around on New Year's or Christmas break or something like that, but for the most part, no. Any smells or odors coming from the river? Mm, I can't say that I noticed anything off. Strange reports in general at the park. I can get you a list of reports, but nothing that I've noticed. That'd be great. We appreciate it. Next time you, uh... (laughs) What's up? Who's squeaking? I'm not touching anything. Uh, next time you uh, start doing your checks. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> nah, get it out. <laughs> yeah. like, what is it? What is it? Fuck. All right. Uh, yeah. Next time you um. So if you do these checks, you know, every time you you have a shift. Uh, just bring a buddy out. It's, you know, it's better safe than sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And he mm. still seems distracted, even at this point, after you bring him the blanket and, you know, the water, and he's still kind of shaking up. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else that you guys want to look at on the body? Can I check to see if um any of these wounds... Wounds. Any of these missing fucking limbs are like obviously from the water or if it's if there's any kind of a more precise kind of yeah what do you want to roll for me I suck at like everything biology um I'm I'm looking for forensics uh you can make a case for for medicine I have a uh, zero in forensics and a zero in medicine. You are a <laughs> shitty fucking cop, man. <laughs> I know. Um, well, I'll turn to I'll turn to my partner here, and I'll say, um, O'Connor, are you able to identify if any of these, you know, missing limbs are from the water? If they're from, you know, maybe our, our perpetrator here? Can I try it? When I go over this, can I? He doesn't really care. Can he? F- Feel the body, yeah. Like around the wounds, like yeah, yeah. Go ahead, roll, uh, roll forensics for me. Seven on a fifty. Seven on a fifty. So, um, as you start moving the body ever so slightly, you can kind of tell what the the game warden and uh, officer Gaines were talking about. It's like. 16 hour roasted fucking falling off the bone barbecue delicious would I happen to know about how dead bodies react in the cold like this well typically it would slow decomposition rates so there's a couple things that you can extrapolate from that first of all whatever the rate of decomposition is when you do find it out it would probably be like more than that so if you if you take a look at this body and you're able to deduct like oh it's been 15 weeks it's probably been more if the body was kept in the cold um but from that seven on the forensics check you lift up the arm to kind of look at the uh the severing of the hand um and you can see pretty obviously some some serrations that do not look natural Uh, you would assume some sort of tool was used in the uh disassembly of this corpse 
point that out. Sergeant. Uh, where at? Under the arm? This is the, like, the hand. Oh, okay. The wrist. Okay. Um, okay. I'd like to take a look at it. Here's what I could propose, right? I don't, could I search? I don't need to be blind to see that that there's, like, a wound, right? Or a mm-hmm. cut or a pattern or anything. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that, that, uh... Seems out of the ordinary? Yeah. Yeah, make, just roll, roll general search for me. All right. I'll extend it over to the surrounding area as well. Sure. 77. <laughs> 77. Critical um, fail. Yeah. <clears throat> um, the one thing that you do notice is you can kind of see the viscera that was expelled from this corpse on the like edge of the creek, kind of as they pulled the body or moved the body up to where the tarp is. You see that line coming down, so you know, 100% confirmed that they took this body out of the creek. Yeah. Um, but as far as that, it is, it, it's striking basically how little you have to work with that you're just kind of out in the cold looking at your own breath kind of fog up yeah. in the middle of the woods at just this sad mm-hmm. carcass. All right. Um, I'm going to turn to the warden. Uh, John, uh, you got a phone over here? Uh, yeah, we got one back at the uh, at the hut. All right. You, you want to stay here with John? I'll walk back. I'm going to call the uh, lieutenant. I can do that. All right. Yeah. Walk back, call the lieutenant. Okay. And yeah. we're going to jump over to our other set of ace detectives. So, Jerry and Ray, you guys uh, get in the car. Or, I'm sorry, you make your way out of the uh, violent crimes unit. I'll drive. You better drive fast. You can count on it. Get in. All right, Ray. You, uh, do you, and actually, let me extend this back to you guys as well. Um, do you drive your personal cars, which you can, or do you use one of, like, the uh, provided um, police vehicles? I'd like to use a police vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what about, what about Ray? Uh, if Ray is on police hours, he will use a police vehicle, but he has no problem going out kind of off hours over time in his own vehicle. Okay. Jerry drives his own vehicle for sure. That's the kind of that's yeah. kind of do Jerry is. Yeah. Um, as a side note, just want a good time to add it. Uh, Ray from his past has his uh, CDL. It's a Class A CDL. He's no restrictions. No shit. Class Where'd you get that thing? <laughs> Class A. Uh, we 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 did a lot of construction in in, in the previous career. So you jump in the squad car, make your way out to the cavalry club. Whereas these guys kind of took a more longer drive around, uh, you know, off to the outskirts of the city. You guys kind of head right into the heart of Linwood Falls. Um, and this heart is beating. There are people all on the sidewalks walking into shops and kind of restaurants. How late is restaurants. it? 10, 10, okay. 10, um, 10, 15. You guys make your way out into the town. Those who frequent Linwood know Cavalry Club. It's a fairly popular bar, um, you know. A lot of younger crowd, not so much the older crowd, but it's uh, apparent to see uh, police lights. Just like the second you turn on this street, uh, you see police tape up, you see two police officers who are kind of outside. There's a crowd that's gathered. One of the officers is like trying to get the crowd to like, you know, disperse and not, it's not a bunch of people. It's probably like maybe half a dozen people kind of like looking to see what happened. Uh, So I, I pull up. Pretty pretty close mm-hmm. to uh, the police tape, and uh, I look over to you. You ready? Park the car. All right, get on out. You guys get out, and uh, an officer approaches. Um, you guys know this guy. He's another officer. His name is uh, Officer Burks, Jimmy Burks. Jimmy? Jimmy. James. But you guys call him Jimmy. We call him Jimmy? Yeah. He's a he's a younger guy, uh, relatively new to the force. Um, you also see another officer who is sitting next to, uh, kind of farther away. He's sitting next to like a um, a young man on on a curb. Uh, they seem to be talking, but the one officer kind of steps up to you guys. Detectives, Jimmy, how's it going? Uh, this is a rough one. Well, we so, got Officer Burks. So uh, got the call. There was a uh, fight. At the bar, um, 
came in. One, uh, there was a gentleman unconscious. Got the ambulance here. Um, on the way to the hospital, they pronounced him dead. Uh, guy's name was Bobby Tillman. Knocked unconscious. Died in the ambulance. Talked to the bartender. Bartender says that a one Mark Nicholson, who, uh, and he looks over at the other officer, who Officer Sanford is talking to now, uh, was the perpetrator of this. Uh, I got the bartender around if you want to talk to him, too. So, from your assessment, Officer Jimmy, it seems like this was just a uh, bar fight gone wrong. Is that correct? Uh, it's a, uh, it's a little more complicated than that, but yeah, I would say so. Well, it always is, ain't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Nicholson, Mark over there, he uh, he gave me his ID. Uh, and it says he's 21. But that is not a 21-year-old man. That is, he can't be more than 16. All right, I walk. I just don't even stand there. I just walk over to Mark. Uh, and right as you're walking, Jimmy kind of taps your shoulder and he says... Detective, uh, he doesn't, he doesn't know that Bobby died yet. Okay. Keep walking. Okay. Let's go talk to this barkeep, why don't we? So you walk in, you're still walking towards I'm towards talk, Mark? I'm going to Mark, yeah. Okay. So you see, uh, sitting on the curb, this young kid talking with the police officer. The police officer looks up. This here is, and he's talking to Mark, this here is... Detective Jerry Flores. He's gonna he's gonna take it from here. Okay, Mark. Mark kind of nods and he looks up at, at you. How you doing, Mark? Uh, I'm all right. What happened today? And he's kind of like rubbing his his knuckles. Uh, I don't know. Just you know, just a little just a little scuffle. I just you know, guy was getting in my face and I didn't mean to to knock him out. Does he really look that young to me? Like 16? roll human intelligence. Eight. Eight. On a 60. Yeah, I mean... He's young. Like, so... Officer Burke said 16, 17. He's lucky if he's 16. Okay. He's <clears throat> he's younger looking. Alright, um... What started this, Mark? What, what... Why did you have to fight him? Well, he was getting in my face. You know, he was pushing me and shoving me and... For know. no reason at all? No, I didn't. And you can tell carrying over that human intelligence check he's a little buzzed maybe drunk he's just you know just popping off and I didn't you know I didn't like when he was getting all up in my face how much did you drink tonight Mark and I start like kind of pretending like I'm writing stuff like I'm not really you know what I mean yeah you know just a couple beers I was hanging out with my buddies alright how'd you get here Mark I walked alright you're not in any trouble I'm just gotta get some information I want to kind of, like, take a look. Like, am I able to see where Ray is right now? Like, so, is he at the body? Ray, no, Ray, the body's not on the scene. Okay. Body got taken out of the name of this. Ray, you walked into the bar to talk to the bartender? Gotcha. Yes, sir. Is he handcuffed, Mark? No. Okay. I'm going to tell him that I'll be back. Okay. So, you walk into the bar, and there's another officer in there who looks like he's taking a statement from who, I mean, do you think you've been to this bar before? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> You would you would know that this is the uh, this is the bartender. His name's Will, um, older guy. Will what? Newton. Older guy, short, fat. Uh, he's got like the long hair, but the receding hairline. Um, and do I know the officer that's talking to? Yes, this would be uh, another night shift officer. His name's Grant Burris. So I walk in, Mr. Newton. How you doing, Ray? Uh, I hate to be talking to you under such circumstances on a night like tonight, but uh, how's my officer treating you tonight? Oh, well enough. I uh, got no complaints. Is that so, Burris? I, I put my arm around. Yeah, him. and he he kind of like nods, and but you could s- s- tell like he's still finishing like the last of a note, and he like puts the notepad down. Yeah, I mean it seems pretty. Uh, this is the officer speaking. Seems pretty cut and dry, detective. Um, Bar fight going wrong. That's what I said when I pulled up to the scene. There's got to be something more than that. There always is. Uh, Willie, any nefarious activity going on with last night being the holiday and such? 
I mean, uh, everyone's been pretty uh, pretty well behaved. I, I have no complaints. You know, else you guys would be here in a heartbeat. I know that. Got to treat uh, got to treat the guys who wet your whistle right, huh? Yeah, I hear you. I mean, it seemed pretty straightforward to me. You know, it's uh, this uh, Bobby. Uh, Bobby comes in here pretty often. I haven't seen this Mark fella too much, but. Bobby was just drinking by himself, and, you know, this kid, he was with uh, a bunch of his other friends. Just looked like they were picking a fight with him. Um, and at this point, Jerry walks in. So, um, I, I've assumed I would have seen Bobby, like, three times at least. Yeah, I've been here. yeah like, definitely. Is, um, how old is he? About? 33, okay. 34. Um, uh, single, lives alone. Okay. Kind of a loner okay. type. So she's kind of like me. Sort kind of. Of. Yeah. Kindred spirits. Um. Okay. Let me ask you something. Uh, it's Nicholson fella. Who was he with? Uh, a couple other boys his age, it looked like. Yeah, boys for sure. Looked like a youngin'. Well, I mean, well, his ID said 21. <laughs> I've seen plenty of IDs that line about who they represent. You walk in at this point? Mm-hmm. So you saw what happened? There were no weapons, just, I just fist fight. Just fisticuffs. I, mean, I wouldn't even call it a fight. Did you witness the whole thing? Yeah, I saw the whole thing, beginning to end. Did he fall on his head? Did, you know, what? Well, so Mark and his friends got up, started just talking to Bobby. Bobby stood up, pushed Mark. Mark punched him, and he just dropped like a sack of potatoes. All right, I walk away. Back to Mark. Find out who his friends are, mm-hmm. and take him in when you're done. Mm. <clears throat> well, Will, I don't know. We got much more work to do here, but we're gonna take that boy in. We're gonna make sure he doesn't come back here, at least until he's 21. And he kind of looks like, like, kind of like that look you give when you should have been in more trouble, but someone's kind of like letting you off a little bit. Kind of like this relieved, but still kind of like stressed look. Grab uh, Officer Burris and kind of go work, son. Kind of shoo him out. Ray daps uh, him up. And then (laughs) as he goes out, I want to stay real quick Mm -hmm. uh, and turn back to Will and say, Now, listen, you're going to keep them drinks coming for free. You got it, Ray. Listen, keep it tight tight down here with the kids. I don't like to see bodies falling. Nobody's. I got you. I got you. It's just been a. Rough start to the month. Listen, you let me know if you got any money money problems or anything, alright? I got you. Seriously. I walk out. And he kinda looks down, looks down at his feet, kinda as you walk out and close the door. So Detective Flores, uh, you walk out and uh now the officer that was inside is now outside with the officer Officer Sanford who was originally there with uh with Mark, who's still sitting on the curb. Can I get a full, like, appearance, like, on Mark? Is he small? Like, he's 16 years old. He can't be a big dude, right? Or is he, like, big for 16? He is pretty big for a 16. The only, right. the only He's big for a 16-year-old. The only reason you're able to tell that he is as young as he is is because, first of all, face covered in acne. Mm. Bowl cut, haircut, mm. you know. Um, he's not scraggly. He's not skinny. He's he's well built. He looks like he could pass for maybe twenty, you know. So he's like the linebacker, the starting linebacker at his high school. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, all yeah, right. yeah. Um. All right, I'm gonna walk up to uh, Mark and I'm gonna say, Mark, we're gonna keep it straight. All right. What did you say to Bobby when you walked up to him? And he's quiet for a while. I asked him why he was drinking alone. What did he say? He said it was none of my business. And he shoved you or you said something back before then? I don't remember. Can I roll on like, do I think he's telling the truth? Is that really how it went down? Roll human intelligence. 20 on a 60. It's that thing that you do where you are 
Telling the truth, but definitely withholding. He seems to be withholding, right. not telling the entire truth. Doesn't sound right, Mark. What happened? Give me every detail. I know you remember. All right, I might, I might have started it. Okay. I asked why a loser like him is drinking alone, and I may have used some explicit language. Yeah, I mean, I. I wasn't looking for a fight. I just, you know, I thought he'd... Do you ever know Bobby before this, or...? No. Just some random guy you wanted to go pick on. And right? he's just not making eye contact with you no. at all. Mm. Am I back at this point? Yeah. Is he pressing charges? I can't tell you that information right now, but can you stand up for me and turn around? And he stands up and turns around? I want to handcuff him. Whoa, wait, 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 what uh, the- You're just being detained. Just being detained. Till we figure out what's going on here. Okay, alright, whatever. Can I call my parents at least? You'll get I thought your thought you were, uh, what's the age say on the ID? 21. I thought you said you were 21. See, I have nothing to do with this right now. You're an adult. And he shuts down. Doesn't say anything. You'll get your call back at the station. Don't worry about it. Mm. So you Are you right here with me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I put him in the car in the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, put him in our car. Mm. And then I want to say to you, let's take him back. Let's see how Bobby is. I know he's dead, but let's try to, you know, get some information on how he died, and then we'll figure it out from there. For now, we probably should find his parents and tell him. What's you know, going on? We gotta corral this situation in, but let me tell you something. I don't like what's going on at that bar. A little more than just a murder going down there. You think the bartender had anything to do with this? We'll talk back at the station. Alright. The other officers kind of come out. Uh, you guys, uh, you guys want us to keep this closed down? At least for the night? Yeah. Yeah, for the night. Keep the block tape off. Okay. All right. Tell all the citizens there's nothing to be too worried about, though. Okay. Alright. I'll let, uh, I'll let Will know. Was there blood on the floor? Or anything? You didn't see any. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I just want to take him back, and we're just going to kind of... Do we have yeah. an interrogation room, right? Oh, yeah. All right, yeah, we got to... All right, so do you... I'm not, t- I'm, I'm, I'm not having this conversation on the side of the street. I'm taking it back to the office. We're getting real. Put the kid in the back of the cop car. You guys get in. Ray, you start driving away, and... Kids real quiet in the back seat, and the street lights are passing over. We're like halfway there. It's not a short drive, right? It's pretty, pretty yeah, close. Yeah. You know, I often frequent that bar alone myself on nights just like tonight. I imagine you're like looking at him through the rear view. Yeah. See, you think you would have said that to me, son, if I was wearing civilian clothes? And he's just like looking down. No. No, sir. More to everyone than just what's on the outside, boy. And with a kid being detained and a body washed up in a crick, that's where we're going to pick up next session. That went quick. Holy shit. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of LFVCU. A Nasty Table Production.